congregation, as we're turning this evening to John 21, let me just make a mention again about the songs that we sing in church and why they're so important and so meaningful. I, I, I don't suppose that we have 257 memorized. I imagine we are probably familiar with it. But let me just read again that last stanza that we just sang and how well it shows the matter that we're going to deal with in the sermon if I might say it also, how much this speaks about our situation. Thy servant, like a wandering sheep, has lost the path and gone astray. Restore my soul and lead me home, for thy commands I would obey. That's the process. And that is exactly then what the canons of Dort, pulling from places like John 21, address to the Christian and how much we need, beloved, these very things. So we will be again in the canons of Dort for help in a little bit. And so we're in the fifth head of doctrine. And we'll come to the Article 13. I'll make a mention about that in a moment. So Article 13 of the fifth head of doctrine as help, but especially the Word of God. And so tonight, John chapter 21, a passage, no doubt, we have a good bit of familiarity with, but we need to wrestle with it tonight. So John 21 and 15 through 19. Here's Jesus with the disciples. They're around the Sea of Galilee. It's in the morning. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. As far as your congregation, God's perfect and glorious word, we turn our attention now to the summary of the teaching of the word of God. We've been reading about this in our monthly messenger articles, the value and the importance of our confessions. We heard that the confessions are not on par with the word of God and yet very helpful as teaching aids. Now tonight, we're going to begin Article 13, the fifth head of doctrine. We're splitting this into two parts because really there are two very significant matters here in Article 13. And so we want to take tonight only the first part, which ends at the word persevering. So let's focus on this. Article 13, talking again about assurance. 
Neither does renewed confidence of perseverance, persevering produce licentiousness or a disregard of piety in those who are recovered from backsliding, but it renders them much more careful and solicitous to continue in the ways of the Lord, which he has ordained, that they who walk therein may keep the assurance of persevering. Congregation, we believe these things because they are what the word of God teaches. There's a couple of challenging words there. We'll get to them in a little bit. Let's ask the Lord's blessing tonight, dear people, as we come again to the word of God for help, shall we? Let's pray. Our Father, what a blessing that we can be confident that we, your people, will receive from you by your spirit and word the very help we need. Lord, if we are one who is convinced that we don't need such help or is not convinced that we do need such help, change our minds so that we would come as those seeking that great mercy which you alone provide. And we will find it. Lord, bless us to that end tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I, weak, struggling Christians, are incredibly blessed to have the truth in the Word of God. And that includes the truth about how terribly weak we really are. We need to know this. We need to confess this. We need to say without any hesitation that we, and thinking of all of us in this room tonight, we are much more like Peter than we would be willing probably to publicly state. But we wouldn't know that if the Bible didn't include in the pages of Scripture the failings of its heroes, do we sense the significance of that? You ask, why would the Bible include some of these significant accounts of the failings of its heroes? We think of, we think of Noah and what happened to him. We think of Abraham and Moses and David, just to name a few. But then, with these with restoration and recovery because of our God through Jesus Christ, being a God of grace, we hear, we ask, what next? And it is this. After such recovery, God's restoring work, we are called to return to a holy life. Well then, people of God, you're first fill in the blanks. People of God, in his perfect wisdom, God has included in Scripture accounts, like with Peter, of his, God's, restoration work and the expectation of returning to a holy life. Christian perseverance includes returning to a holy life after recovery from serious falls. Now, this is the matter that we consider in John chapter 21, and from pa pa passages like John chapter 21, the delegates to the Canons of Dort put in Article 13 the significance of exactly that matter. What do we do after we have been restored? And why is that so important 
to assurance. Those renewed by grace after sinning earnestly strive to remain in Christ. Those renewed by grace after sinning earnestly strive to remain in Christ. So then, first of all, Peter's situation was one of a man renewed after a great fall. I said this already, and I imagine it's pretty obvious that most of the adults are very familiar with this history. We're not unfamiliar with John chapter 21 and what happens with Peter. But I want to ask us a question about that. How do we personally view Peter in terms of what he did? That is to say, at his Lord's most needful hour, when he was, as it were, all alone, and Peter followed along, and the Lord needed, as it were, that testimony the most, and what Peter did. How do we view Peter? Are we critical of him? Are we sympathetic? Now, now be honest, what's your knee-jerk reaction to Peter's denying, disowning Jesus Christ? How do you view it? Does, does it help you? That is to say, Peter's actions. Or does it make it more complicated to you to know that the Lord told Peter that he would do that? Do you remember back in John chapter 13 at verse 38 when, the, when Peter says, oh, I'm going to go with you, I'll, I'll die with you if I have to. And the Lord responds, will you, will you, Peter, really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then, John chapter 18, three times Peter spoke very simple words. In the Greek, each of the three times, it's only two words. He says, I am not. I am not. I am not. Lying. Denying. Disowning. And then comes chapter 21. And the issue of the restoration which we probably view as, as pretty soft. At least probably that's how we viewed it before. Or at least we've considered that as an option, that the Lord was, was pretty soft on, on Peter. Recovering Peter was, by Christ's grace, from a very serious, a terrible fall into sin. Dearly beloved, Dearly beloved, the level of betrayal to which Peter fell is beyond words. Christ's restoration of Peter is all the more incredible. And we should be moved to amazement. So then the delegates to the great synod of Dort, 16, 18, 19, take up texts like this and engage in intense spiritual doctoring. We'll see this also with our next sermon to come up, Lord willing, next 
Sunday evening on the second part of Article 13, but what we have here is intense spiritual doctoring because, because the Christian needs this. Because there are times in our lives when we fall into terrible sins and we feel like the Lord will have nothing to do with us, but then by grace alone and amazingly to us, he restores us and brings us back and we say, well, now what? Or we want to consider this evening actually something does result, something does happen. And this is what the delegates to Dort were considering, like the Puritans. They were experts in understanding anatomy, by which we mean the anatomy of the soul, of our hearts. But Christ is the master doctor professor. Christ is the trainer of doctors of the soul. And he shows this in how he handles Peter and in how he handles us, how he cares for us as well, how he treats us, especially in view of our sins. People of God, people of God, be convinced that Jesus knows you by name and your life in its every action as he knew Peter and he will be perfectly wise and pointed in restoring us. We learn this from history. That day on the shores of Galilee, Christ doctored Peter back into spiritual life and health. That's what he's doing here, as we're going to see it in just a moment. But so he does with us. Now, for some of us, this may seem foreign. For some of us, this may seem a little bit away from our current situation or anything we've ever experienced before. But one day, beloved, remind yourselves that you will need these things if you haven't already experienced that. The details about how God works in our preservation are incredibly important details for our spiritual health. Well, then secondly, the Lord pressed his heart to reveal his depth of love. There is very great help for us in this text and help from the canons of Dort. The help has to do with a warning. So already we say, don't ever dare to minimize the seriousness of sinful falls. Christ asked Simon three times if he loved him. Now three times here in this context is not, is not two extra times, unneeded times, like as if the first time was enough and the other two were just simply add-ons. That's not what this is about at all. No, beloved, rather in the spiritual doctrine which the Lord Jesus Christ engages here with Peter, it is three times intentionally to match up to the exact number of the times Peter disowned Jesus in order to, now listen, in order to press into the depths of Simon's heart. The text makes it very clear to us that Simon got that. What does it say? He was... Verse 17, hurt, because Jesus asked him the third time. Simon needed to know experientially, feeling it, how wretched it is to disown the Lord. Because that pain is healing pain. 
I put it this way, that perhaps if some of us have scripture verses on pictures in our houses and maybe even some people paint scripture verses on their walls or whatever it is that people do, maybe we should get into the practice of putting verse 17 of John 21 into a picture and hang that on our walls. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? It's a warning. It's a corrective. Dearly beloved, Jesus intended, Jesus intended that Peter's heart be hurt so that pain as a good teacher would be to Peter the reminder to never disown the Lord again. You've learned this as a parent about children. Sometimes they need a little pain to teach lessons and to remind them. You see renewal, real restoration through truth and painful repentance leads, leaves the restored Christian extremely pain adverse. I'm not going to touch that hot again because last time I got burned and it hurt. And so here we understand pain to be that which is a corrective which reminds us in the spiritual sense that disowning, denying Jesus Christ is the most gut-wrenching, painful thing, and I never want to do that. Peter was hurt on purpose by the Lord. Asking Simon the third time was intentionally anti-licentious questioning. Now, Licentious, what does that mean? It's, uh, it appears here in the article, Article 13, the Canons of Dort. Notice it here. Neither does renewed confidence of persevering produce licentiousness, which is a word that simply means a license to do what I want-ness. A freedom to do what I think I want to do, no matter what anybody else says. That's licentiousness. That is not the heart response of the true believer who has been restored. And this is what Jesus is pressing Peter about. He's asking an intentionally anti-licentious question. Do you love me? We think of those verses in 1 John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will strive after obedience. This questioning of the Lord causes Peter to ponder on the vileness of the threefold disowning of the Lord. You can almost imagine Peter thinking, oh, he asked me once. Uh-oh, he asked me a second time. Is, is he really going to, is he going, you asked me the third time. That hurt. You see, the Lord had only been good to Peter. He had only been kind to Peter. He had only been patient with all of Peter's rough edges. But much beyond that, beloved, keep in mind exactly what's going on at the moment that Peter disowned him. What was happening then? What was Jesus doing at the moment Peter disowns him? Well, well Jesus is on the way to the terror of the cross for Simon Peter and his disowning of him. At the moment... Peter lied publicly three times. Jesus was going to the cross to die for his threefold lie. And so the Lord, here in the restoration, makes him feel it. Why? So he would never do that again. 
people of God, we too need to be made more careful in obeying our Lord after any serious fall into sin. This is one reason the Lord equipped his church with the keys of the kingdom, including church discipline. The pain of discipline is loving and needed in the church today. When there is no sense of pain, of anguish over sins committed, there is no true restoration and onward to the righteous and holy life we're called to live. It is time we embrace real and true Christianity as walking with Christ, as we read of here in John 21. Those being restored should feel the sin pain, spiritually speaking, so that they can feel in real spiritual ways Christ's restoring love and have a desire to never return to their old sins again. Well, then third, Peter's path of keeping assurance would be Christ-like in pain. It seems like we're talking about pain a lot tonight. Well, these matters need our attention. It's important to know that the main instruction, the main command of the Lord to the restored Peter is found in verse 19. It's the main command the Lord gives to Peter, and it's very simple. The end of verse 19, follow me. As Article 13a, the first part of Article 13, puts it, the recovered individual is rendered much more careful and solicitous. Now, there's one of those other big words we're not as familiar with, perhaps, as others. It simply means being very concerned and mindful. Notice that when you read that particular phrase in the article. But it renders them much more careful and solicitous, mindful, aware, alert. And that's significant, isn't it? Because mindful, careful about what, says the article? To continue in the ways of the Lord. Verse 19, following him. This is exactly what we need to consider. Dearly beloved, the restored, recovered, recovered Christian is deadly serious in determination that in every way they will follow Jesus. I received a call from somebody on the phone last week. I won't mention the per person's name because if I did, many of you would know that person's name. But that person said to me, Oh, how the Lord has done a wonderful work since he restored that person. How that person's life has changed dramatically from what was the case before to now. What is their life after that terrible fall and the Lord's glorious restoration of them? Now they feel themselves, as we put it sometimes, on fire for the Lord. That's exactly, that's exactly what the Canons of Dora is addressing here. It ought to then be the expectation of the restored believer and our perception of a restored believer that they will be indeed on fire for the Lord, glorious in their desire for obedience and holiness. It's the Lord's main command to Peter, follow me. But, but in following him, Peter will show that, his life would show it in two particular ways. 
Now, the first of those ways is pretty familiar to us, where the Lord says, and this is a way to apply, follow me, he says, feed my sheep. Simon is well used of his Savior and Lord as the Apostle Peter in feeding God's sheep. But we can put that even more personally. You and I, each, we have received much food from Jesus by means of Peter. Have you thought about that? We are included among the sheep that Peter has fed. Now it's the Lord Jesus Christ through him, but when the Lord says to him, feed my sheep, we're part of the group who have been fed that way. We've been richly fed by the ministry of the Lord through a man called Peter, the Apostle Peter. We've been blessed. So that's the first way that Peter would follow the Lord. The second way is pretty much ignored by Western Christianity, sad to say. There's a reason for that. The second way Peter is to follow the Lord has been pretty much ignored or set aside or pushed to the edge because it doesn't match up with a theology of victory, which is wrong in so many ways. We don't have time to go into it tonight. And then since it doesn't match up with that so-called theology of victory, it's set aside. Here, instead, is the theology of the cross. Verse 18 is what will happen, and we look at it from the perspective of verse 18 is what did happen to Peter. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Now, beloved, that is teaching us explicitly, the Lord is saying explicitly how Peter's death would be a testimony to the Lord. And if we have any question about that, verse 19 makes it abundantly plain. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter's refusal, now follow this, beloved. Peter's refusal to turn away from the painful path of following Jesus would lead to a great painful death, which was a great strength to his assurance. We don't even like to think in those terms. We don't even like to consider that as a possibility of a strong, faithful, vibrant Christianity and a rich, deep assurance that I might have the privilege, as so many martyrs in the early years of the Christian church after the Acts of the Apostles said, I am blessed to die as a martyr for Christ. Here Peter was one of the first. People of God. People of God, we must know accept and embrace the truth that assurance of faith is found in following Jesus in all we do no matter how painful might be the path of obedience there is great joy in this journey it will be a help to us to again affirm how seriously our Reformed fathers in the faith studied the Scriptures. They studied the Scriptures. Do you remember that we've said most of the delegates to the Great Synod of Dort, 16, 18, 19, were ministers themselves? That is to say they had a pastoral sense about them. They wondered the question, 
What does God's people need? What is their dilemma? What will answer that dilemma? What will help them? And so they pull from the word of God here and they pull from the word of God there like in John chapter 21 because every word to them weighed a ton. Every word to them was made of gold and it was the great value of the church. So what Jesus commands Peter, follow me, becomes part of the reasoning along with other scripture texts for the instruction to walk with the Lord as it is told to us in Article 13a. Or, or let me put all of that to us this evening in the form of a, a question, which is your next fill in the blank. This question, dearly beloved, do you firmly believe that to keep the assurance of persevering, that's the language, to keep the assurance of persevering, you must strive with all that is within you to follow the Lord, to follow the Lord in daily obedience. Do you believe that this you do by grace, but... Still, you must follow the Lord for the maintenance of assurance. Do you believe that? This following the Lord might be, for some of us, a path of pain. It was for Peter. History tells us about Peter that the words of Jesus in verse 18 were fulfilled by Peter dying by crucifixion. Some say, I, I, I can't prove this, but some say about Peter that when it came to the moment of him actually being nailed to a cross to be crucified, that he demanded that he be crucified upside down head to the ground, so as not to be equaled to his Lord. That may or may not be. I've read that many times. But in any case, this is surely true, that Peter's path of following Jesus ended in pain. And sometimes that's the call of the Christian life. But no matter, beloved, follow Jesus wherever he leads you. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we come to you this evening with things that sometimes challenge us. Lord, because sometimes we hear that when you become a Christian, everything is great and you have no trouble and you're wealthy and healthy and wise, and we know that's not true. And yet, Lord, sometimes we want to think it's a little bit true because we won't have to suffer pain or go through real and serious turmoil. And yet, Lord, in other cases, we realize that no matter the path of assurance is the path of following you. Lord, strengthen us for that. Even this week, no matter what it costs us, may we follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing these things, congregation, again this evening at number 55. How blessed is he whose trespass. We'll stand to sing number 55, and then we'll come to our doxology in a moment. 
number 55.